everybody. Welcome to the Mini Break by Cracked Rackets, your daily podcast for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, March 6th, and we're here for the third episode of the pod. My name is Jamie McDonald, and I'll be your host for today's action. However, of course, I couldn't help myself from bringing on the man who enjoys podcasting way too much. It's Alex Gruskin of the Great Shot Podcast. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm honestly flattered that you chose me to be the guest on your first hosted show. It, it's a it's a true honor for me, Jamie. Well, so thank you for having me. You're the guy who always wants to, so <laughs> that's kind of my option. Yeah, that's true. I didn't leave you many options for this for this show, but again, flattered, happy to be here. Let's talk a little tennis. Let's do it. So today we're, it's going to be quick. I know this is tough for you, but I'm really going to push. Even Rothman said it in the last one. He's like, "Oh, we're going to make it super short." I'm going to try and hold to that as much as I possibly can. We're aiming for the 20-minute mark. you think we can do it? I think we can hit 20 minutes, but I'm going to try not to speak as fast as I did yesterday because I was literally – I was on two times speed, Lying. and that was like just normal. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll try and keep up with you. It. Let's do it. Fair enough. All right, so first thing we're going through, Indian Wells coming up, at least the main draw is, but already in full swing we've got qualifying rounds. Um, now, unfortunately, some of those have been suspended in play. Um, however, we've got some results. J.J. Wolf threw the 6-4, 6-1 win over Trungaletti and plays the Frenchman Mbert tomorrow. Um, Giron wins over Fabiano, 6-3, 2-6, We've also got Eubanks coming through the win, 7-5, 7-5. Gruskin, did you get a chance to look at any of these matches or see any of them? Well, I think the most interesting one for me right away is probably J.J. Wolf, just given that he's still a college kid, and for him to get a win over Trungaletti, who I think is number like one, in the 120 range, somewhere between 100 and 120, to win 6-4-6-1, I mean, that is a comfortable win, and J.J. Wolf's been playing indoors for the past, what, three months at Ohio State, he comes out outside in Indian Wells, puts together a performance like this, it kind of just... Uh, confirms what I saw from him in Chicago, which is that he's got ATP skills right now. The way he hits his forehand, the way he dictates with that, plus his serve, uh, the confidence he seems to be having right now. I, I can't remember the last time this guy lost a match. I mean, he wins, and I'm going to get, I got this wrong in the Carousel pod, but JJ actually won the Columbus Challenger. You know, he doesn't lose at indoors. Now he wins a qualifying round here. I, there's no way we see J.J. Wolf in college in 2020 because what his pattern of results has showed is he is ready to hit the pro circuit. Yeah, no, you're, I, I absolutely agree. So my question for you, first one of many in this pod, when you <laughs> see J.J. playing a match like this, what do you think the differences are between his approach? You know, if he's playing those matches in indoors like you were there, you saw him play and you saw him prepare and everything, that versus what he's doing right now um, over in Palm Springs, Palm Desert, you know, what, what is the difference in mindset for him, do you think? I'm going to go out on a limb and say there is no difference, and that's why I think he's having so much success. Uh, You know, shameless plug, but before this podcast, which we're starting at 11.10, 11.15 Eastern time, which is later than I said, so I apologize to you, Jamie, Um, but I I just talked to Carousel about this, and he said, you know, more than 75% of tennis is mental, and, you know, percentages, arbitrary, whatever, but what he's trying to reiterate there is it's so much about confidence, it's so much about routine about preparation and you know what what Ty Tucker said to me when I talked to him about JJ's just you're not going to find a guy who does the little things 
better. You know, he is always doing whatever he can to improve himself as a tennis player, whether it was staying in Columbus for the summer, kind of foregoing other opportunities you have as a young college kid, whether it's, you know, approaching every match with the discipline of, I want to be a professional. I need to learn to bring 100% every time I'm out on court, take care of business as quickly, as efficiently as possible. And I just think this result, look, you don't want to read too much into one qualifying result, but it just fits the pattern of J.J. Wolf has found some sort of cruise control with his game, and it's really been beneficial. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's awesome. And if that is his mental approach, I think that's going to serve him well beyond these uh, these college years he's got. This is this is kind of an Indian Wells or non Indian Wells related thing, but JJ Wolf Petros Frisokos. If you ha- you know you're betting on one guy right now, they're playing money on the line. Who are you betting on? Wow, you're putting me on the spot. I mean, I know because that's the matchup I want to see. I do too, but it's so weird they keep putting him down at two. First, I mean, so it's like it avoids that matchup, but I. Uh, you you want to see it right and with the way he's playing right now you have to say jj has the edge but it's so hard because like you said even when we were looking at indoors petros was playing the twos jj was playing the ones so um yeah i mean it's just it's fascinating i really think those two guys have separated themselves from the pack in college tennis i I think you're right and i think you can build a case for either one of them like especially on a given week you see one result from petros and you're like wow this dude is gonna win jj cruises through ita indoors and you're like wow this dude's on top for a reason so but anyway, see, this is the problem with you, Gruskin. We start talking about one thing, and then five minutes later, you're like, where the hell did that time go? Uh, yeah, well, look, that's that's how I roll. I'm going to flip enough. one on you now. I'm going to throw a question at you. Oh. So you mentioned the Eubanks. No, 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 we're moving on, I promise. You mentioned Eubanks Lloyd Harris. What uh, our listeners may not know, Indian Wells Oracle Challenger Series was the week before this Indian Wells tournament, and Lloyd Harris and Chris Eubanks actually played a second round of that Indian Wells Challenger. Harris ended up taking out Eubanks 7-6, and uh, I guess when you see Eubanks come back the way he did in this qualifying result, winning in straight sets, close sets 5-5, five and five, you know, what kind of boost does that have, you think, or in terms of Chris Eubanks, when he shows that sort of maturity to bounce back the next week and get a win? I mean, yeah, that's a huge part of it. Like you just said, I mean, the mental aspect can never be underestimated. But at the end of the day, though, when you're looking at sets from Eubanks, like, don't you think just so many of them are just 50-50? Like, and if he's in a good spot yes. mentally, like, there's going to be a tight set toward the end of a mat. Like, so it, it's hard for me to read into sets that end 7-5, especially in this one. It's like 5-5. Five and five. It's like, yeah, great for him coming out on top on this, especially rebounding from a, a very similar loss not a long time ago. At the same time, though, it's five and five. You know, would we be saying it if it's seven, six, six, seven, seven, six? You know, it's just it's hard to read into such tight sets that are only one break toward the end of it. Yeah, I think all of that is fair to say. I just you put Eubanks in the in the categories, and we can't go too into depth here, so I, I won't. But just how many young Americans have so much talent and are yeah. there you know playing right now to be excited about? Like, we don't have to do this debate right now, but if I say. Jared Donaldson versus Chris Eubanks. You're ranking their upside. If you wanted to give me the case for Eubanks, even though Donaldson has you know cracked the top 100, even the cra- cracked the top 75 before, I'd listen, right? Like you can make a case. That's how talented all these guys are. You're right. There is a lot of talent, but <sighs> the talent I was looking to discuss today, not on the American <laughs> side, maybe with the mini break, since we have so much opportunity to do so, is I just take a country. Like every week, I just take a country, and I'm like, here you go. Today, for example, we're going with Australia. We continue down the qualifying. We see Bernie, good old Bernie, uh, gets knocked out by Rasal in three sets. Um, Popperin, the young guy, gets through three and three. And Bolt, 
gets through. Um, after his win over Sock at the Australian Open, he gets through again here, hopefully building some 29 momentum. This leads me to what I really wanted to talk about before you started texting me and telling me there was all this other stuff I had to put into this pod. <laughs> I wanted this whole pod to just be short, sweet, and about Aussie tennis. So you know what? Damn it. It's going to be about Australian tennis right now. So forget about all the off-court drama you know, that we had in the Australian Open with Hewitt, the Davis Cup, Bernie, you know, all of this stuff. Let's talk about the tennis and the talent that Australia actually has. They have 10 in the top 50-ish you know, I mapped them out here. You got Damon Hour, Kyrgios, Millman, Ebden, Thompson, Tomic, Bolt, Pufferin. Ten in the Kugler, top one hundred and fifty. Yeah, one hundred and fifty ish. I think you said fifty. Hey, great shot, but yes. No, oh, I thought I said one hundred and fifty. We'll 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 rewind it. Anyway, one hundred and fifty ish. But you got all these guys. The ages are spread out. My first question to you, with all these guys, how much wasted talent? do we have in this crop of Australian players? <laughs> well, you're going to get mad at me because you said I don't want to talk about the off-court drama, but you kind of have to, right? Because you look at the guys on this list who have had success in 2019, Dimenauer, Millman, Thompson, Bolt, Paparin slash Papyrin, however you want to say it. Papaya. Kubler. Papaya. Uh, papaya. I don't say that because Brad Gilbert will start calling him, oh, it's the Papaya on court two. Low-key like, sick I, nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that may be true, but those five guys I mentioned, and I'll list them again real quick, Dimenauer, Millman, uh, Thompson, Bolt, Papyrin, Popperin, the Pop, um, they all trained together this offseason with Leighton Hewitt at Rod Laver Arena, you know, as a team, as a cohort, trying to get better at, uh, you know, one another, and, you know, that's not an indictment of the other players on this list, but I think what we've seen so far in 2019 is whatever they're doing is working, right? All of these guys seem to have that intrinsic hustle, that intrinsic fight that was forever associated with Leighton Hewitt. Well, he's done a great job communicating uh, that to them. And right, like, am I being crazy? I think that's what I've seen from them. These guys are just so gritty. And that's what's crazy to me too. You have, it's just such a polarized community, right? Like, you mean, you look at someone like Tomek, and then on the other side, you got the absolute workhorses, Millman, Damon Hour. You know, it's like, it's crazy to me that all of these are in the same sort of tennis community, right? And granted, yeah, it's Australia. It's a country. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of differences between players. But it's just, in terms of, of building a culture of a player, it's just crazy different how all over the spectrum this is. But my next question to you, though, is there a clear best one out of this crop in terms of upside in the end of their career when all said and done say 20 years from now is there a clear one of these out of the list who will have the best time on tour well i would cut off rothman and i'm not going to not cut off you just because i want to go easy on you on your first hosted episode so to to rewind again um, just just to get back, it's a stupid cliche, but what we've seen this offseason is iron really does sharpen iron, and there really is a benefit to training together with, and, you know, that's not a novel concept, but these guys are proving it, and Australia doesn't have the huge base of tennis players, or maybe they do, I guess, uh, considering to the U.S., but you see the way even the U.S. guys have, and I, we're just focusing on the men right now, but the way they've developed in Orlando, and we've seen jumps from Tiafo, McDonald, Kruger, uh, Tommy Paul, Riley Opelka, all guys who train together. This idea of training as a cohort, it's not novel, but it really does work. And so to get to your question, it, it, it's interesting because 
I mean, Dimenauer is the young stud, right? But then, I'm flipping it on you. Five years from now, who's ranked higher, Alex Dimenauer or Nick Kyrgios? Yeah, so basically what you just did was talked about me, didn't actually answer a question, and then flipped it back on me. But fair enough, I will still answer because, you know, I respect I respect the game here. <laughs> Kyrgios and Dimenauer. This is interesting because when we look at these, it feels like we're comparing someone who's, like, young and super, like, oh, wow, brand new on the scene versus someone who's been around there's only three years difference between these guys, and I always forget how young Kyrgios is. So to me, this story is not written at all, and I can very well see a scenario where Kyrgios is ranked above Damon Hour within the next five years. Now, so the hot take I wanted to give you was that Tomich is actually the most talented, but I'm not ready oof. to do that. I can't do it. I anymore. don't know. It's so it's hard to know. Also, his game is just. Weird to watch, by the way. That forehand is something else. I love it. You're not going to be shocked by that, but I no, love it. No, I know it. you do. But <laughs> no, but it's like, I think the safer bet, if you're betting, you know, 10 years or whatever, depending on longevity and everything, is definitely Damon Hour. You see the work he puts in day in, day out, and that effort. But the thing is with Curious, you never know. I mean, look what he just did in this last week down in Mexico. He took out a ridiculous crop in this draw. And then just lifted the trophy, and that's it. You know, he saved match points. He, he was doing everything, and he looked on fire. When he was engaged, it was awesome. And so if he can pull that out, you know, he can take down Nadal and the likes of those guys. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, it's the perfect time to plug. I believe it was either yesterday's or our first mini pod, where we, I think was the first one where we talked about what happened in Acapulco. And if I were to, you know, I, I promise I won't cop out. I will answer your question right here. I, I did a thing, and we've done it before, Jamie, as well, where you're separating these prospects into tiers, right? And so you, all of this is with the perspective that Alex Dimenauer, Nick Kyrgios, both, you know, Kyrgios is my age. He's a fellow 1995 person, and I consider myself young, so I have to consider him young. Dimenauer, 20 years old, obviously young. The, the difference between them, Alex Dimenauer would probably be tier two to tier three in that you know he certainly has the skills he certainly has the mentality he certainly has the physical capabilities to last in the top 15 make a jump into the top 10 have some staying power in the top 10 but for Nick Kyrgios he has the talent of a tier one player we have seen him beat the uh, Djokovic Nadal Federer compete with those guys uh, too many times to deny his talent now you know, putting players in tiers is not the same as projecting their careers, as you mentioned. So, of course, I'm going to agree with you. Dimenauer is the safer bet in terms of who's going to be ranked higher. But if you're asking me who in a vacuum has a better chance at winning a Grand Slam, I probably still have to say Nick Kyrgios. No, I agree with that, especially because you see when Nick does lock in, it's when he's on the big stage. It's when he's up it's against incredible. the big guys. And then he, he finds his best game. And so, yeah, if we can see some consistency with that, hopefully throughout the next couple of years, that'll be it. Can, Last, can I what? flip it? Can I flip it on you sure, one more time? Sure. I, I have to do it. So I'm going to give you four names. You tell me which four you like better: Dimenauer, Kyrgios, Bolt, or sorry, Dimenauer, Kyrgios, uh, the Pop, Papyrin, and Kalkanakis, or Fritz, Tiafo, Opelka, Mackey. Which four, Ooh. if you do an average ranking of them in five years, is going to be higher? Because the upside of the Aussie guys is probably a little bit higher, right? I would say so. They're also, on average, at least of the ones you listed, are a little bit younger, right? 
yeah, they are. Well, so Kyrgios is the oldest of the bunch, yeah. but then you know Mackie's right around there. Tiafa or Tiafo or Mackie and Kyrgios might be similar age, but Tiafo, Opelka, Fritz. That you know they're all twenty one ish, ninety seven, ninety eight. I think you got to say the upside for Aussies higher, um, and I think yeah, I mean, I guess if you're betting say five years from now. I think you'd have to go with the Australian crop. I don't know. That's tough, though. Do you disagree? No. I, I So I don't disagree with that exact assessment. Kokonakis is a huge injury right. uh, risk. But, but we haven't talked about him. We could spend an entire podcast, and I won't you know, take up too much more of your – because you're on a schedule. But just talking about his talent and how mesmerizing it is because he is – I mean, he beat Federer at Miami last year, right? First round. We've seen him do it. It's just – can he stay healthy? Yeah. I guess four deep, yes, I agree with you. But if you start throwing in the Moes, the Donaldsons, uh, uh, yeah. the, the Tommy Pauls, then it starts to tilt towards the Americans. Yeah. No, the, the depth of American tennis, especially with the young guys, is impressive. And, well, crack rackets, we do a lot of covering of those guys. So <laughs> that's fair. But thank you for reminding me once again that I am host. Uh, so we're going to move on. Uh, really quickly as we move into Indian Wells, um, what the draw looks like for these Aussie guys. Um, starting with Kyrgios, round one by, then plays the winner of Erber and Cole Schreiber, would run into a blockbuster with Djokovic the next round out of that. What are your thoughts on that matchup? I mean, I went on my Kyrgios rant in episode one, so I won't do that Fair. here. I'd love to see it. You know, put him in pressure situations because it feels like those are, if he's going to wake up for anything, it's got to be that match. So I'm, I'm totally for putting him in, you know, in the big time. And it's with all, as always with him, it's show me. Exactly. No, he's he's an entertainer, and I, I guarantee if that match goes on, it's going to be a fun one. Um, next, you got Ebden plays Dr. Evo in round one, then runs into Chorich. That's a pretty tough draw. Not to mention— Matthew Ebden is the new Paul and Paul Met too, in that he's always going to be in the draw, and I'm never going to care who he plays. Yeah, that's uh, tough, but fair. Um, <laughs> then you got Jordan Thompson, who runs into team second round if he gets past— Good old Del Bonus, first round. Millman, Struth, and Dimitrov. Damon Hour, round one bye. Winner of Shardy and Qualifier. Then Ronich right after. Overall, pretty tough draw. I mean, granted, that's how it happens. It's a Masters, but that's a pretty tough draw for this Australian crop. I mean, I like Millman-Dimitrov matchup round two. Uh, Brad Gilbert would say upset alert. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but it'll certainly be a good match. Dimitrov will have to play his best tennis. It's just amazing to me, and I- I'm going to say it again because— why not? The fact that the Dimonowers, the Tiafos, the Tsitsipas, Medvedevs, whatever, I guess those two guys are a little bit on the higher range, but that all of these young guys are now seated at these events, it's crazy. Like, we're not appreciating that enough. No, that's fair. It is cool. I mean, it's like the old future is now, but those top guys are still at the top. That's the crazy part. Oh, man. No. Don't you love no. that, Greskin? You love those old guys just staying up there forever, don't you? Ah. If I didn't promise Rothman that I'd leave the men's draw to him and Kale tomorrow, I would give you all of my thoughts. Oh, that's fair. Well, hey, you know what? That just proves how great of a host you are because that is just a <laughs> wonderful transition. Absolutely seamless there. Um, as you mentioned, Rothman and Kale, they do have the call for the men's draw preview on tomorrow's mini break episode, so be sure to tune in and check that one out. Um, for Gruskin and I today, we are going to tackle the WTA side. Um, so, Gruskin... I don't know how much you got a chance to look at this. I know we were both talking about this um, before we hopped on, but initial thoughts, just top down, what do you got for me? 
So first of all, love how many Americans I see in the draw. That's always something I'm looking for as a biased fan. I, you know, Sophia Kennan, who I believe is inching her way into the top 30, is actually playing, uh, I believe it's uh, Wang, who she lost to in the finals of a tournament, I think it was last week. So sucks for her that she couldn't get a seed, but I'm sure she's happy to get a chance at some instant revenge, and it'll be fun to see her play. You know, Similarly, Sloane Stevens, it'll be nice to see her in action, obviously. Uh, Katie McNally and Amanda Anisimova on the younger front. They're both getting opportunities in the main draw here. And Anisimova, after what we saw her do in Australia, any follow-up efforts from her, I'm interested in. I mean, look, one of the stats, this is my, the last stat I'll throw at you. The WTA, they do it a little bit differently, obviously, than the ATP. They they have the year-end championship, then they have a, what's called a premier mandatory mm-hmm. event, and then a premier five event. Now, of last year's premier mandatory and premier five events, only Petra Kvitova was able to win multiples of those. It seems like on the men's side, you know, it's always Djokovic, Federer, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that's obviously not the case on the WTA side. And right. even more even more fascinating, the defending champ uh, for this tournament, a, a player who's only won three professional level events, Naomi Osaka, entering yep. this as the world reigning number one. Yep. She's won Indian Wells, the U.S. Open, and this year's Australian Open, and nothing else. Going to be fascinating to see the pressure on her. And that's pretty crazy, too. You know, you, you speak back to American women in this draw as well. Daniel Collins has a pretty a, fun shot at point. Osaka decently early in this draw right and so that's going to be a ton that's going to be a ton of fun to watch too and she's screwed too because she has so many points to defend so she really needs that one oh yeah absolutely that's gonna i hope i hope that matchup happens because you know not only is it just on paper hey it's a seated matchup that's good there's a lot on the line there like you said a lot of points to defend you've got a ton of pressure on osaka now too with all the reputation of coming in as a one seed defending champ you know that's there's a great storyline to that matchup so i really hope we get to see that uh, complete. Can I can I throw one more uh, wrinkle at you, and then I'll let you wrap up. I know we're a little over time. Throw ahead. Go ahead. So <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. It's not tw- uh, it. Since we're recording this on a Tuesday, I'm going to count it as a Twitter Tuesday segment on a Wednesday. Um, but one of the biggest trends we've we've seen on tennis Twitter, maybe it's the crackdown on video rights. We're not allowed to see anything else, so we only get to see certain things. But the amount of ATP and WTA players now taking the time to practice with one another, especially at events where they're hosting both an ATP and WTA yeah. event at the same time, it just warms your heart, right? No, it's great for the sport. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's mutually beneficial for all of them. You know, I mean, just from a publicity and an on-court standpoint, it gets awesome. It's everybody's coming together. It's it's becoming really more of a community thing. And so, like you said, it is really cool when you know it's not just an ATP event or a WTA event or one of the two right it's awesome when everybody's there all at once it's more fun for the fans they get to see things like this it's more fun for the players everybody's there together so no absolutely agree with you I love it. Well, then I'm going to throw one more upset prediction at you. Taylor Townsend, she's got Bonaventure first round. Then she'd take Vekic number 28, and then she'd match up with Pliskova in the third round. You see something from her? I know you've got you, you're a big Taylor Townsend guy. Dude, you straight up took that from me. <laughs> well, is... I was trying to segue. Oh man, segue take. You've been taking a lot of my things lately. We'll leave that. <laughs> we'll leave that off the air. But Wait, no, that's you're... a great point. As you say, a metaphor I'm willing to share on the air. Rothman and I, just a little behind-the-scene look for you viewers. We've been beefing a lot recently. So Mm -hmm. like all uh, married couples who are struggling, we decided to have a kid. And the mini break is our child. 
and we you know so we're we're playing with and we're doing what's best and we're focusing all of our en- energy on it so yes i it, that's my long way of saying i admit i cut you off and i'm sorry yeah well appreciate <laughs> it um last thing i really want to hit on in this draw and um, we can get more into depth with other podcasts if we really hit up this indian wells preview and recaps and whatnot you know all the fun great shot pod stuff that gruskin will do and i'm probably going to rope him into doing just because i said so um (laughs) but at this point really the last thing i want to touch on is just serena's draw um i don't know if you got a chance to look at it but it is pretty tough her section from from an on paper standpoint is difficult she probably has azarenka first round then she's got to get through muguruza and that's just get well, sorry, excuse me, Serena, her first match, she gets a bye first round. She'd have Azarenka in the second round, <laughs> then Muguruza. But then from there on, you're playing seeds the entire time. And this is an event, too, where Williams sisters don't really like playing this event that much. There's always been, uh, there's always been a lot of hostility at this, correct? Yeah, and I, I agree with you. It's, it's going to be fascinating to watch just to see – we, we've talked about it on the guy's side, but it's just as applicable to the women's side. There's an opening right now. There, There is no definitive world number one. Now, Naomi Osaka has made her case, and she certainly deserves to be there at this point in the season. But there's a lot of tennis still to be played, and no one should count out Serena Williams at this point in the year. Last thing I'm asking you, then we'll get off. Yes, Belinda Bencic is winning Indian Wells. Lock okay. it in now. Lock it in now. Wow, that was so easy. <laughs> who's, who's your – okay, well, I guess we'll split into two. Who do you want to win? Who would you have put your money on if you had to? Wow. Uh, want to win is such a loaded question. I'd say Katie McNally because it feels like anything that's good for a local Midwest kid is good for cracked rackets, and I can just imagine the content we'd get if she goes on a run. See, there'd be um, more content for you too. And we'll just pile it on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh uh, I love Belinda Bencic. I don't know what her odds are right now, but I think she's playing outstanding tennis. I think Petra Kvitova is playing outstanding tennis, and nothing should be taken away from her. I mean, you're a fool if you think Osaka isn't a contender in this event. If I had to put my nut—I'll put it on Kvitova. You know, I, I've really enjoyed the way she's played. I think she's won a title since the Australian Open, and obviously she made the final there as well. She, you know, when you go through something as traumatic as she did, yeah. I think she was stabbed in a break-in. Just to yeah. be back out on the court is so exactly. mentally refreshing. So I'm going to roll with her. Good vibes to Patrick Kvitova. What about you? What are you thinking? She's the one I want to win, so you took that from me too. Um, because, <laughs> like I said, like you said, excuse me, it's like, it's all about that comeback story. Like that to me is incredible. You know, she saw the raw emotion after, you know, yeah, she lost in the finals of that, but you just saw how happy she was to even be out competing for something like that is incredible. Um, and so, you know, she still has the fire to do this. And I mean, I don't know. I want to see it come full circle and, you know, raise that trophy. Not to say well, that she won't win other tournaments, but this is a big one and I want to see her. I mean, she matches up with the winner of Venus Williams and Petkovic first round. So if she gets that Venus match right off the back, we're going to see her tested. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, but I mean, she's the three seed coming through this. I mean, I think she'll live up to that test. Other one, I kind of want to see the comeback. Usually I'm not always rooting, rooting for Serena, but in this case I am, you know, American tennis. And I do want to see that comeback as well, because it's been impressive what she's been able to do after having a kid and getting back on tour. I want to see her get back up to old Serena. It, I, I know we're way over on time, but this I swear my final thought, you don't even have to offer me a final thought before okay. you wrap, but what would cause a bigger scandal? If Jeannie Bouchard went off to went up to uh, upset Osaka, I think it would be third round. She'd have to beat Danielle Collins second round, then Osaka, mm-hmm. and went on to win Indian Wells, 
or if Nick Kyrgios ends up winning Indian Wells? What causes more mayhem on tennis Twitter? Uh, you got to go with Bouchard, right? Ah, didn't she just sell the rights to like how she met that guy on a date for a comedy? I'm pretty sure she did. I'm pretty sure she is now – her life story is being made into a TV show. That's what I'm saying though. So that's like if she wins, that's like wild. Like what is yeah. going on? Like curious that's at what least – Curious at least you can kind of explain it and be like, okay, yeah, he was on fire and he won, la- he won last weekend. Yeah, he won this too because he's on fire. Bouchard is like, what the hell is going on? You know, I don't <laughs> know. Fair? Yeah, I – I just thought it would be a fun way to end today's Wacky Wednesday pod. Wacky Wednesday. Well, you know, I am the host, but I'll still give you naming rights to every day of the week. You can call. I know you love alliteration, so whatever word you want to put before Wednesday, I am absolutely okay with. I'll give you as long as it's As long as it's f*** off Fridays. F*** off Friday. That sounds like a great segment. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, as you mentioned, I tried to keep it to the time constraint. I'll have to check the final time after. Hopefully we were at least somewhat close. Uh, but anyway, as we close up, Gruskin, want to thank you very much for coming on. Usually it's you saying that to me, but of course I have the <laughs> lovely honor of saying that to you this evening. Um, you know, thanks again for delaying me an hour and not letting me go to sleep. But uh, <laughs> as we close out here, Gruskin, what do we say? We say, that's a break! All right, thank you very much, and be sure to tune in to our next one. Thank you.